It's derby time. Come on, tell your friends. We'll go to many distant lands. With Dan the coach and Jackie the skater, the fun will never end. It's derby time. Welcome to the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer. Thank you for joining me today on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. Everybody. I hope you're having a great week. I am really happy to report that after the Bout Day Routines episode last week, that my team succeeded in winning our bout. It was against a team we that the, our team had never beaten before, and we did it. I'd love to tell you that I was super duper amazing and incredible, but honestly, it was just a little bit of a struggle. And I think it had a lot to do with some of my bout day prep getting a little bit thrown off because sometimes there are people who come into your life who you act differently around and they, they don't even know that they're affecting your mental state that day. And it's definitely going to be something I talk about on a future episode about uh, how you influence people, how other people influence you how to work with that and through that. And it's going to be a thing. All of my episodes are going to be a thing later. But I just wanted to let you know a little bit about what had happened last week. We did win. I did punch that shark, but I don't feel like it was fully punched until the second half. And this week, I am so happy to report we have another special guest. This special guest is Rachel Rotten. For those of you who do not know, Rachel Rotten is the longest standing member of Angel City Derby's Hollywood Scarlets. And this is kind of an amazing coincidence. We started Derby around the same time. Now, that can be a little bit of a mind you know what, right? Because you see somebody who has achieved so much at such a high level, and it could almost make you start thinking, oh, what if, or oh, I'm not as good as, or you just start getting in your own head. But this is a one of those moments where you just have to be like, no, it. this is okay. Two people on different paths. How cool is it that we got to come together for this moment of time and have this amazing conversation. You're in different cities, different ways of life. Like we couldn't be more different in as far as where we live. And that's okay. <laughs> I don't have to feel less than because when we got to talking, it was amazing how many things we had in common as far as experience and ideas and just things we've seen in Derby. And so in that way, we felt a lot more like we came to an equal place to talk. And that was so cool. 
Rachel Rotten's a super cool human being, very down to earth, and she made it so easy to talk to her, even though she probably was really hungry because she was baking a pizza. And for all those who are very concerned by the end of this interview, yes, she does get to eat the perfect pizza, but you will hear a ding in the middle of our little talk as she has to go check on it, which is great. So Rachel Rotten, some of the topics we go into together are like things she's learned about leadership as she has been in a league management role almost her entire career. How many people can say that? She's been like a a person in the WFTDA doing doing leadery things because that's a word. And someone who was a blocker for over eight years transitioning into jamming In front of the whole Derby world, you got to watch Rachel Rotten learn that role last year. That's a vulnerable place to be in, and we talk about that. And she is a human being with a chronic illness, and we talk about that a little bit and what that's like and how how if you're a teammate to someone or a coach to someone with chronic illness, how you can help them a little bit better. And no surprise here, has to do with communication. So without any more delay, let's get into this conversation with outstanding human being, Rachel Rotten. Rachel Rotten, welcome to the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby podcast. How you doing? Hi, Hi. thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being on. This is really fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. I like to talk about roller derby things. <laughs> Me too. I'm really excited to talk to you. <laughs> so we've got actually a lot of really fun topics that we've already kind of um, figured out in advance. So I guess let's just jump into it then. Um, so this is this is your ninth year slash 10th season? Yeah, I started uh, in spring 2010. So like counting that up. So I guess 2010 was technically my first season, even though I was, you know, I was but two months in when I played my first bout, because that's what happened in 2010. Um, so this, this is my 10th season, um, not officially my 10 year anniversary until next March, but, but I've been around. Wow. And you're now the longest standing member in your league too? Uh, longest standing skating member. Yes. Uh, and also longest standing charter skater on the Hollywood Scarlets. So the next closest to me would be uh, one of our coaches, Ghetto Fabulas, who was uh, who started a month before me and is now our jammer coach, but she stopped skating um, in 2017. No, 2018, last year. Oh, I miss her on the track too. She's so much fun to watch. <laughs> no, she's that those hockey player skills, they just translate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that she's still around and helping out the team, though. That's so great that she's still involved. I love that. Yeah, it's really nice having a Jammer-specific coach. We've never had one before. This is our first time. Um, and I know a lot of other uh, – some of the other top 10 teams have Jammer-specific positions, mm-hmm. and it's something we've always wanted. So it's really nice to have somebody who has game experience – um, who specifically has like a very deep roller derby experience and um, knows the ins and outs of the game and the movements and how to train it um, 
it's, it's nice to have that attention, especially because, you know, I've only been jamming for a year. So sometimes it's just nice to have someone else to like tell me stuff. Cause usually I'm kind of just figuring stuff out. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta know, like, does being around so long, does it blow your mind a little bit? Like, are you the village elder now? <laughs> Do people come to you for advice? Everybody comes to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in, a, in addition to just being on the team for a long time, I also have like a really deep institutional knowledge of our league. Mm -hmm. So I find that, you know, a lot of my, I'm on our uh, leadership panel for the league as well. And so I find that a lot of my contributions to leadership ends up being historical knowledge um, because often topics will come up and people need context and they need examples of, you know, how this surfaced itself in the past or other ways that things could play out that they're not thinking of. And, you know, I've been around and in leadership for so long at this point that I, I feel like you could pull out any topic and I'd be like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? <laughs> so you're the keeper of the history. <laughs> Yeah, and, and not without other historical keepers as well. I mean, when I came in, you know, the, the keeper of the history for the league was on leadership and on the Scarlets, and um, she made a point to express how important it was to pass down that that knowledge and that information and to, to share that history, even if it's like, you know, campfire history. I try to share that as often as possible, especially with new league members. So I, when I, I don't have a ton of free time these days, but when I am able to go to league events, I really like to, you know, meet newer skaters coming in and sort of tell the lore of the league. <laughs> we had a, a really fun travel team bonding day um, the week before hometown after scrimmage. And I found myself sort of standing in a circle with a bunch of our newer travel team skaters telling like old stories and like the legends of how we got here. And, um, and, and I really, I really love telling those stories. I hope someday I, I can sit down and maybe write them all down. That would be awesome. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> Someone would care. Not very many people, but like maybe 10 people would care. That would be enough. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so you've had a lot of like experience with leadership. You've been in like league management almost the whole time. What type of roles have you held over the years? So when I joined Angel City, there were only about 25 members. So there weren't actually enough people to even populate an A team and a B team. The first game that I saw Angel City play eight of the skaters who played in the B team game mm -hmm. changed uniforms for the A team game in that double header. So it, the, the league needed uh, skaters in a big way. And I think, and you know, the, the people who started, who, who, sorry, the people who trained me and the people who were around at that time told me in hindsight that the league was really close to folding at that time because they just didn't have the bodies and everyone was pretty burnt out. And 2009 was a pretty tough season. Um, due to a lot of like internal unrest and some like personalities. Um, and 
then Whippet happened. And so this like Whippet generation meant that there was this huge influx of fresh meat skaters all at once. And so, um, you know, my class and like two or three other classes of fresh meat were these big swells of skaters where all of a sudden there was hope and there was hope for the, the league to survive and to like build up, you know, not only enough skaters to populate a whole game, but also just to have people do more work for the league and to sustain it in a different way. Because, you know, the people who were around were getting pretty burnt out with how few people were doing work. And so when I, uh, I'll never forget the day that I graduated Fresh Meat, um, when they announced who had passed their minimums, um, they, we had a league meeting immediately following the list of like who had passed and, and they had already, uh, instituted a plan for the people who didn't pass their laps or who didn't pass their minimums so that they could keep them in the program. Um, and so they called an all league meeting immediately after, and we sat down to talk about committee positions and Miss Defiant, who is, uh, was a longtime board member for the league and also probably the biggest gatekeeper of institutional knowledge who passed a lot of it down on to me, uh, turned and looked at me and she was like, what do you have experience doing? And I was like, well, I work in marketing. She was like, great. You're the head of marketing now. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what did I just sign up for? And, um, and I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what's my job? And she was kind of like, well, everything, you know, like, flyers and street team and promotions and games and all of it all of a sudden became like my problem and I was at a place in my life where I think I was ready to have that on my plate I had just um I found roller derby because I I had a big gap of time in my life that I hadn't previously had. I, I was working in production and I quit that job in a fit of rage because I made a lot of really terrible people a lot of money working in television. Um, and I quit because I didn't want to make bad people rich. And I took a regular nine to five job so that I could figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And having a nine to five job after you've worked in production where you're working like 12 to 15 hour days every day is kind of jarring because you get off work and you're like, what do people do with this time? And so I tried a bunch of hobbies. I decided that happy hour probably wasn't a hobby. Uh, <laughs> and that's when I found roller derby. And so I had all this time on my hands where I was like, okay, I'm going to make this my project. And I was ready to dive all in on it. And it gave me a sense of belonging and a sense of worth and this really great feeling of accomplishment because in addition to like working on my own skating, I was also like helping build this thing. And so that's kind of where it began with leadership. And then I didn't actually get voted onto the board until maybe two years later. Um, but seeing as how I was the head of marketing, I kind of had my hands in so many of the different departments that I got like pulled into a lot of those conversations anyways. Um, and I was always the person asking the board for money. And at that time they were like, we have none, like go like photocopy flyers. We don't have money for that. Um, so I was voted onto the board then I think in 2012 or 13 maybe. And then I've been on ever since. And at the time it was called steering because we, steered the ship of the league. Um, oh. Two years ago, 
almost three, we restructured our leadership so that we could have more people on leadership because we wanted more people to be making decisions, a more diverse representation of league members. So officials, NSOs, um, skaters from all different teams. Um, and I got uh, voted to stay on in the restructure as well. So you've been in leadership all this time. What are some of the big things you've learned like that, you know, apart from your daily life that you kind of learned being in leadership in a roller derby or maybe even something you wish you could tell yourself when you first started <laughs> that you've learned since then? I wish that I could tell the like younger me um, to take feedback differently. I don't think I've ever taken feedback poorly, but I've always had an immediate answer or response to any feedback I've received and for better or worse like sometimes that's great because it like nips a problem in the bud and sometimes that's not a great quality for somebody in leadership um and you know and I can own that because I have learned so much in in the process and that's something that uh I work on all the time um I think being able to listen is a learning process. Being able to listen to what people who don't share your perspective have to say is really important. Um, and, you know, maybe the biggest thing is, you know, valuing your time. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really challenging to like carve out time for roller derby for me uh, now in a way that it wasn't in the beginning to the point where I wonder how I did it, but also I sometimes really miss the fact that I did do it. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had to like change my relationship with time a little bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, another one of our big topics we wanted to talk about, I'm really excited about is you were a blocker for over eight years, and then you moved into jamming full-time. How did this change come about? <laughs> I got pushed off a cliff. <laughs> by someone who loves you, I hope. <laughs> yes, by Tui, who loves you. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, end of 2017, as uh, many people probably know, if they follow, you know, uh, D1 Roller Derby, we had a pretty large number of retirements. About two-thirds of our charter retired at the end of 2017. And it left us with, I think I counted five rostered skaters from champs were left coming wow. into the 2018 season. And so it meant that we had a hefty like rebuilding year ahead of us. You know, we lost skaters like Lacey Knight and Satan's Little Helper and Chica Go Lightning, who was one of our starting jammers for 10 years, for longer than I was around. Um, you know, we lost I'm a Blow Bio, we lost Checker. We, we just, we, so many people retired at the end of the season. Um, and so moving into 2018, we had to look at what talent we could develop within the league what talent was available to pull up or to spread across. And we thought we had uh, a jam rotation, sort of. We didn't have a lot of um, veterans left though. We had the most veteran jammer we had in our rotation was Darby Dagger. 
And at the beginning of the season, she announced to us that she wasn't leaving roller derby, but she did have to reduce her involvement for a while because she was entering a nursing program that would be a super aggressive uh, program on practice nights most weeks, and she wouldn't be able to travel with the team. So, so that meant that our most veteran jammer who was left after losing, you know, Chica and Satan, um, was not available. And so, uh, we had some B team jammers. We had, you know, fresh legs in, uh, Pearl Jam who 2017 was her first season with us. So she didn't see a ton of track time. So, suddenly, you know, we had all of these very green jammers to D1 play that we had to develop. And when we were preparing for hometown last year, we realized that we probably needed a little bit more in the rotation, a little bit more variety, um, and maybe a different style. And uh, mid-June, we or the second, first or second week of June, we played a scrimmage against the uh, men's team here in LA, which at the time was drive-by. Now they've um, rebranded into Golden State Heat and they're like kicking so much ass right now. Um, but we, we played the men's team and we had like no jammers there that day. And so all the pivots got tapped to jam. And that was like pretty much like the nail in the coffin for me because I got tapped to jam. And because of my size, I was able to like, power through some of the dudes in a way that some of our other jammers could not. And so the next practice after that scrimmage against the guys, um, Tui and our coach at the time, Abe, marched over to me and they were like, hey, so um, we're thinking that you should take another crack at jamming. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I can do that at practice. They were like, mm, how do you feel about doing it against Gotham and Rose next week? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is fine. <laughs> like that's 10 days away. That's nuts. And, you know, they, they, we met and had a very like clear talk about expectations. You know, they made it clear to me that the expectation wasn't for me to get lead or score points. The, the expectation was for me to help out in down situations when we had uh, blockers in the box to play some jammer defense off the line to help burn some time and to just get out of the pack as quickly behind the other jammer as possible. Like just try to get them to call it off. You know, these were, these were my main goals. I wasn't expected to blow anyone's mind or score any points or anything like that. Like if I did, that was just a cherry on top, but my, my position was to be a relief jammer. And so having that really clear goal in mind, I felt like I could do that. That felt like a bite-sized thing that I could take. So that's what I did. And then, um, and then I guess I just got stuck doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how is your body reacting to this change in position different from blocking? Do you have to train differently now, like outside of practice as well for this? Yeah, I train pretty differently now. Um, I reached out to, when I made the switch, I reached out to Lacey actually and asked her to put together some programming for me to specifically train more jammer centric because as a blocker, I was, you know, lifting heavily pretty often. And I was doing a lot of like load bearing exercises and, um, you know, I was, I was going to CrossFit a lot and my goals were just really different. 
um, fitness wise. Uh, I was, I was maintaining my energy through exercises in a totally different way. And she programmed stuff. <laughs> pizza. Um, All right. We're going to take a quick pizza break and be right back. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Bout Betty's, the only roller derby subscription service in the world. They offer a range of levels, so you're sure to find one that fits in your budget. The full packs and apparel-only pack options include custom apparel they design themselves or collaborating with derby skater artists to feature their artwork. There's so many fun colors and patterns in size small through 3X. The Bout Betty's full packs also include skate gear, accessories, and stickers. Yes, stickers. If you're one of those cool jean vest wearing types, you'll want to check out the Derby Flare Club option, which includes a mix of enamel pins, patches, stickers, and buttons made from the artwork of Derby artists. And the Classic Pack has non-custom apparel, gear items, accessories, stickers, and healthy snacks. How thoughtful. As for me, I super love the apparel. You may have noticed how often I wear it when I make videos for our Facebook page. The leggings, shorts, and sports bras are just amazing. Okay, the material is ridiculously silky smooth and soft. The first time I pulled on my Apex Predator leggings, I could not stop touching my legs and asking friends to also touch my legs so they could feel the magic that is this material. And it's so darn cute. There's mermaids, dinosaurs, steampunk, cats. Whether you're hitting the track, skate park, gym, book club, or grocery store, you will turn heads and bring joy to those you meet. Subscribe today using our podcast promo code POWER10 for 10% off your first pack at boutbetties.com. B-O-U-T-B-E-T-T-I-E-S.com. It's like derby Christmas every single month. And yes, they do ship internationally. Once again, that promo code is POWER10 for 10% off your first pack at boutbetties.com. Okay, we left on a, a sudden cliffhanger for pizza. Let's continue with where we left off. <laughs> uh, so Lacey Knight uh, put together some really great Jammer-specific programming for me, and I began focusing more on uh, single leg stability, explosive strength and speed, and uh, rotational strength in my core. So doing a lot of like resistance, like twisting and moving um, my like the center of my body while maintaining my balance. I'm doing a lot of work with bands, uh, a lot of single leg box jumps, and a lot working with a lot lighter weights for longer periods of time so that I was building my endurance in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and that all, like, it, it helped me shift my focus on what, what I was getting out of the workouts. Um, and I actually found that I wasn't killing myself in quite the same way that I was previously. It was just, like, these were all such... Um, different movements for me that I was more focused on form and strength and like building these muscles I hadn't really focused on that um, I was spending longer amounts of time in the gym, but doing like really specific movements was, uh, was really great for like that focus and thinking about how I was moving my body when I was jamming and why these movements were relevant. Whereas like when I was blocking, I feel like I was, I would just work out and I didn't necessarily like, tool that to blocking. 
All right. One more question about your jamming. How has this change affected your mental game? <laughs> Ooh, um, Cause it's a difference, right? <laughs> it is a huge difference and it is not for the faint of heart. Jamming is, you know, I was talking, I was talking with Tui about this. Um, jamming is lonely when you come from blocking and nobody warned me of that. And I probably cause nobody could, cause I don't know of any other like super, super seasoned blockers that move into jamming. I think the only other example I could think of was kid block, um, mm. jamming for tiger Bay. Um, but I didn't anticipate how I was going to feel like mentally isolated. I was so accustomed to feeling connected to my pack and to always having conversations about like what failed in that jam, what could we have done better? I was supposed to cover this and then you were supposed to cover that. And it always felt like this collaborative effort where you're always, you know, analyzing how to utilize these four bodies to manipulate this space on the track. And then all of a sudden it was just me figuring out how to like manipulate four other bodies on the track and it got I think at first I didn't notice it as much because it was like a new project and so every day I was I was a little easier on myself and then as as I started doing it longer term this season at the beginning especially um I really struggled with um my personal expectations for myself you know, because I was like, oh, this is my second season jamming, even though like we're talking about a matter of months here. Um, you know, I should be better at this or I should, I should know how to do this or, and I found that I was being a lot harder on myself all of a sudden, um, as though I'd had more time under my belt and, and I had to take a step back. And that's actually how I found the podcast. A teammate of mine recommended the sharks episode, the punching sharks oh. episode. I'm so glad you found that. <laughs> And, and I, I had to take a step back to really think about like where my mental game was at and what I could do to strengthen my mental game. Cause I always felt like my mental game was pretty good. I feel like I'm usually pretty level-headed the games where I've gotten a little crazy. I've been able to identify why I got a little crazy. Um, and this like feeling of unsettledness was new and that was when I figured out that like this, um, you know, uh, that I was, I'm, I missed this collaboration. So I made a concerted effort to start collaborating more with my packs. And then, you know, I, I realized that um, I needed to think more about the, like the strengths that I do bring. And this is, this goes back to what I was talking about with um, watching footage of myself being successful. Cause I actually, I did, I used to do that when I was blocking as well. Like I would watch games that were like really challenging and really exciting. Um, and when you're blocking, like it's like, it's such a cause and effect thing. Like this person did this. So I had to fill this space or, you know, it's always reliant on somebody else, but with jamming, like it's not as, as much unless like somebody plays really badass offense for you, which I love. Um, but sometimes you look at yourself and you're like, Oh, that was a bad decision that I made right there. Like I should not have like moved to that lane, which then caused me to go out of bounds, which then caused me to, you know, get pulled back 20 feet, which then caused me to lose lead. Like all of the cause and effect is pretty much on you. Um, and I just had to like recenter myself to, look at all of the moments of success and the moments of failure and find a 
a calm middle ground where I could just perform in the moment and accept that however that jam is going to go is how that jam is going to go. And that what my team needed is for me to like maintain a positive attitude throughout the entire game, regardless of the scoreboard, regardless of anything else, because there are so many other variables that all I can control is mine. And, and my mental state is the biggest piece of that. So if I'm happy, if I'm feeling good and if I'm feeling confident, you know, even if I'm terrified, like, 80% 80% chance I'm, I'm probably doing fine. <laughs> That's really good to hear. I'm, I'm really glad for you. <laughs> oh, and uh, you recently had a really challenging tournament, but uh, I was really proud of you. I watched the game against Rose City, and I'm like, look at her. She's getting most of the points. Yay! <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, it was, it was a hard weekend. Um, you know, I, I actually feel, I feel really proud of the work that we did do. You know, it wouldn't be a season at Angel City if we didn't have a bunch of turnover. Right. <laughs> so, we had, um, you know, we had some new players um, and they did awesome and they're still in development. And like, that's all that we can ask is that everybody plays their best and watching the team that went out, like there are definitely things that we learned from that game. And there are things that we absolutely will tighten up, but you don't learn those things unless you you lose and you don't learn those things unless you can have those mistakes exposed like you know every team has to go through those losses to develop their programs um and develop and to develop their skaters so yeah it was really tough but you know rose was a really well-oiled machine they like you know, they, I was looking at their roster, they had no turnover from last year. And that's a a dream. Like what a gift that is. Mm -hmm. Um, So good on them for playing some really great roller derby and, you know, for giving us the opportunity to learn from that game and to come into playoffs really strong. One of the things I've always admired about your team is regardless of turnover, it seems like you have a well-built-in culture of fight and tenacity against any circumstances like your blockers are so physical they they're like okay you want to come at me please come at me I dare you (laughs) I I think that that probably has something to do with the culture of where we live as well I mean you have to have a lot of fight to live in LA you have to be pretty tenacious to um, to survive in a place that's as unforgiving as LA is so um I celebrate and appreciate everybody's tenacity so much, even on the days when I really, really hate getting beat up by them. You know, I just remind myself that on game day, I don't have to get hit by Soli and I don't have to get hit by Tui or Low, um, <laughs> because it makes it easier to laugh about it when you fall on your butt at practice because Low sends you flying through the air. And then it's really nice to see it happen in a game. Oh yeah, you get to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing better than being able to be like, I know that feeling. (laughs) It's on you now. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I've I've already kept you longer than I meant to, but I'm enjoying this so much. I hope you have time for one more topic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have time. All right. So not only did you take on a new position last year, but you revealed at the beginning of this year that you're dealing with another challenge as well. You are someone with chronic illness. So I kind of just wanted to ask, like, do you feel comfortable sharing about what it's like competing at a high level in this really 
contact heavy sport dealing with this extra challenge and maybe what uh other skaters or people in leagues can do to help any teammates that are dealing with a chronic illness because i think people would really care to know more about anything about that <laughs> yeah um so i have crohn's disease i was diagnosed when i was 17 um and i never wanted it to be something that prevented me from doing the things that I wanted to do with my body. Um, and I think I made that decision pretty early on that I was going to celebrate my body for the things that it could do rather than be angry at the things that it couldn't do. Um, and, you know, over the course of my career, I have had a number of flare ups, um, but usually pretty privately. Um, I, you know, if I ever ended up in the hospital, I would take some time off from skating um, or, you know, take it easy and, and you know, be off skates for a little while. Um, but last year I had a flare up right the week of the big O, like, like two days before I was in the ER. And I didn't know if I was even going to get on the plane at that point. Um, and... I just, I decided whether or not I felt like I could skate, I was going to go and just see how I felt. Um, I think the thing about chronic illness is that it manifests itself in different ways for different people. And that is the hardest thing to deal with as far as having empathy for your teammates if you um, have a relationship with somebody who has a chronic illness. And so whether that relationship is a friendship or a teammate relationship or a coach or, or whoever, um, you can't see whatever they're feeling. And so you have to trust that person to communicate what is best for them at that time. Um, so there are definitely days when, you know, I've had, uh, a teammate experience express frustration to me because I'll pull myself out of a drill in the middle of a drill. And it's because I'm like having a stomach cramp or because I have, I've been hit in the stomach and I feel uneasy or something. Um, cause some days I get hit in the stomach and I feel nothing. And then some days it happens and it feels debilitating and it's not a visceral thing. So you just don't know. And, so I think the, the best thing that you can do is just listen to your teammates, but also, you know, encourage them to, if they're feeling down about themselves and feeling mad that their bodies are fighting back against them, which I often feel mad at my body for, um, just reminding them of all of the things that they can do with their bodies. Um, that's the thing that gets me going back to practice, um, even on days when I feel like shit, because I'm so happy that to have the years that I have doing roller derby, um, that I'm going to do it as long as feasibly possible. Um, you know, last year when the flare-up happened, it was looking very likely that I was going to have to have surgery. And so I didn't know if I was going to make it to this season to play. Um, but I started a really aggressive treatment program at my, with my doctor and, um, you know, was basically, I, I get, uh, medicine via um, an IV infusion every four weeks. And it's super, super aggressive, but it's working. And so it means that I don't have to have surgery yet. So I'm not going to stop playing derby now. Um, I think that was the biggest thing was just being like, okay, I'm going to roll with this. I'm going to go to my doctor's appointments. I'm going to 
accept whatever the outcome is, but if there's anything that I can do to, you know, to, to make myself better, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to wallow in my own like misery and upset, you know, because of it. So it sucks some days. And then some days I just forget. Some days I forget that anything is wrong and I feel totally normal. And also I don't even know what normal feels like to other people because everyone's normal is different. So maybe my normal is like a, you know, a a dull ache to, for me, but maybe that's more pain to somebody else. I'm not, you know, I don't live in anyone else's body. I just live in my weird body. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really love your attitude and I'm just so impressed that you can go through this challenge of changing roles on the team while also having that in the background the whole time. I just so many kudos, so much love to you because I, I really enjoyed watching your journey all last year. It was just so inspiring. And and you're right. There's hardly anyone that goes from long-term blocking to jamming. You don't see it. It's more often the other way around. Someone starts as a jammer and then they go to blocking because of, you know, maybe health reasons, maybe they just want to see something different or they want to use their jamming skills in a different way. And so you're just doing it different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I super appreciate the support and, um, feel really like, I, I kind of feel like jamming was, uh, a little bit of a blessing because it happened like in the middle of when I was going through like my treatment because it gave me something to look forward to and it gave me something to work towards rather than staying in the status quo. So in a lot of ways, I think it really contributed to um, my desire to get healthier because I do, I do believe that a lot of it is um, a lot of it is mental. And I think that like, I've seen that my flare ups have all been almost exclusively stress induced. And so if my stress levels are managed, I'm less likely to get sick. And um, happiness is, you know, the best way to manage your stress. And I, I felt like I was able to channel a lot of that joy into, and a lot of that motivation into, into jamming. So, you know, and it, it I, when I think back on it, it's probably a blessing in disguise, even though I was getting hit in the stomach more. <laughs> That's why I started wearing the padding and like I got like a an MMA like torso uh padding shirt that I wear and it covers my stomach and it covers um like all my guts so that's great (laughs) that's pretty smart (laughs) I I love how you phrased all that it sounds like just like having a a worthy goal was a really good distraction at just the right time just something to keep your drive going (laughs) yeah I'm I'm definitely like a goal uh, a goal motivated person. If I have something that I'm working towards, whether it's like a, an event or like a, um, like just a specific thing coming up or a deadline, like I'm really motivated by, by those kinds of things. Um, so I, I work better under that kind of pressure. And so having something that I'm happy to pour my energy into is, is good for all facets of my life. Good. All right. So before I release you to your perfect pizza, are there any ways on social media that you want to like let people get in touch with you if they want to follow what you're up to or anything like that? Yeah, totally. Um, my Facebook is um, 
Rachel Rotten. So you can, I have an athlete page. Um, I'm really bad at keeping up with friend requests. Um, it's like never a personal thing. It's just that I'm bad at looking at them. I always forget about them. Um, but my athlete page, I'm always available. Um, if anyone wants to message me, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. My handle's at Rachel Till Death. That's R-A-C-H-T-I-L-L-D-E-A-T-H, um, which has been my handle since I was 15. So I just didn't change it. And also a uh, fun anecdote, Rachel Rotten was a porn star in like the late nineties, early two thousands. What? So, yeah. <laughs> so if you like, if you just look up Rachel Rotten, most of the accounts are, are like owned by the, the, the former porn star. Wow. Um, <laughs> so that's why most of my stuff will have my number in it or something like that. Um, like, but so if you Google Rachel Rotten, you'll get a mixture of photos of me and her, which is interesting. <laughs> Um, uh, I recently had to reach out to Google because they had my photo on like the Google verified listing for her. As oh an no! American pornographic actress, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! So, yeah. so I, I didn't change my handles to that because there was enough confusion. And um, but if you like yeah. typed in Rachel Rotten on Instagram, I would probably be the first one to to pop up. So. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me chat with you. Want to know how you can support our podcast and look super cool doing it? Visit our store at powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. We have something for everyone. Whether you like designs that make you feel powerful, like roller derby strong, to cartoon animals on roller skates like cats, elephants, llamas, and more. Our three newest styles include sloth roller derby, naps before laps, I utterly love roller derby, and giver of fox for all of you out there who give a fox. Our store is full of super soft t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, accessories, and more. You get to pick the color and style. It's all up to you and you can support this podcast. Visit our store, powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E dot threadless.com. Thank you for your support. Wow, I really loved talking to Rachel Rotten. You guys don't know this, but we talked so much. We talked a lot before we started recording and after we started recording. We found we just had so many things we wanted to talk about. It was outstanding. And I do believe we're going to have her back for a follow-up in the future because we just kept bouncing these ideas off each other of really cool things to talk about as far as the business end of roller derby and more organizational ideas that there just seemed to be no shortage of topics and she was suggesting other people I could talk to in the future and I'm really excited about where this could go and I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I'm not going to keep you too long because we already had a really nice long conversation but it's summertime. I want you to get out there, enjoy the sunshine. I hope that wherever you are listening to this podcast, that maybe you can see the sun or you're in the sun, enjoying a lovely day. Just get out there, 
these moments are few and fleeting and live your best life. Have an awesome day today. We have been talking about Derby and sharing Derby thoughts. Pew, pew. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. I really hope those laser beams of positivity will carry through your day. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook or on Instagram and Twitter at Power Fourth Whistle. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. You can find fun videos of on and off skates training on our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast anywhere you can. Leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts is still the best way to help this podcast be found and spread those laser beams of positivity to more humans. Open the app, punch those stars, and leave me a pew pew!